0: The DL Debate with Sister Sarah's Laddercanny, serving food you'll love till 9pm daily in Sarah's Kitchen. Welcome one and all to the DL Debate. This is your weekly GA show and podcast. Fair play to you for tuning in. We have a packed show as ever. Uh, Coming up later in the show, we're going to hear from Ryan Ferry of the Donegal News as he runs his eye over our club championships here in Donegal. We'll also have a special interview from Ty and uh, Kerry and Sydney Swans, legend and an, an amazing life that he's had in sport. But first of all, we turn our attention to the weekend's quarterfinals in Crow Park and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Gillick Life's correspondent, Michael McMahon, also a dairyman and a happy dairyman. How are you this evening, Michael? Arms good, Breton. Yourself? Farm, farm must be great, Ty. Hey, of course, you're a, a dairy man, uh, uh, Michael. And listen, what, what what a weekend's action. Of course, all eyes for, from our perspective was on the two Ulster teams and two teams are supposed to breathe breathed a bit of life into this, uh, this championship. And um, starting with your with your homeboys first in, in, in dairy, uh, Michael, go down there. Do you know, a lot of people are thinking, you know, dairy obviously were, 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 were big favourites for the game. We weren't sure us, and at the end of the day, Roscommon are a bad side, and Claire had accounted for them. So you had to give them that respect. You know, they were obviously six years hanging around Division 2. They were, they were able to handle themselves. So were you surprised at what Derry took to that game in terms of absolutely blowing uh, uh, Claire away? I um, expected them to win, I
1: suppose, like a lot of people. And the margin... I thought it would have been convincing, but not as convincing as it was. But what struck me was their sheer ruthlessness in front of goal. Um, It was was devastating, uh, and Clare had no answer whatsoever. And I remember the McKenna Cup opening game. Uh, Derry played Monaghan, 12 points all. Derry created three goal chances, didn't take any of them, including an Ethan Doherty fisted point in the last minute to level the game. When the goal would have won it, you know. And fast forward, obviously the McKenna Cup is completely different to the Championship. But fast forward to yesterday, you know, and they just were completely ruthless. And when you take Jarlath O'Byrne's Connor O'Neill first number points for Armagh, Derry didn't. They yeah. went for the juggler, yeah. and it was nearly like it was nearly like we we're going to set the tone early.
0: Yeah, and funny, Mick, I was just think as you were saying that, I was just thinking about you. Your regrets of a game with. When our maverick in them positions that they didn't go for, because that goal is such a massive score. It it really rocks opposition. If you tag on a point or two, then it's a huge swing in a game. So everything's just seemed right about there. I mean, they put 2-1 on the board after, after four minutes. At that point, you really felt for, really felt for Claire. You were like at that feeling of these, these two teams are on a different level. Michael, just how much Derry have stepped it up from, from where they were in the league to where they are now. They just seem to be growing and growing and growing. Each game, they seem to be getting better. And, you know, right now, and I know taking the Clare thing aside, you know, I was talking earlier, You know, really outside of probably Lynch and Nets, they have the mixture of, of, of everything in their side to, to go on and next. They won this, learn. Aye,
1: to be honest, somebody asked me after Ulster final, how far can you go? And I, I really didn't, I hadn't thought about it. But when you saw the draw and you saw that potentially you could meet Galway in an All-Ireland semi-final, at that stage, that's what I was thinking of. And, you know, on your day, you could beat Galway. And Galway, probably the league game with Galway-Brenton was probably an unfair reflection on where the teams are. But on the day, there was only one winner. So if Rory, if Rory gallagher managed team would happen to get to an All-Ireland final, now that's a big, big if. But if they would happen to get to an All-Ireland final on a one-off day, would you rule them out? You know, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely exciting from that point of view. And you touched on it earlier about how, how much Derry has came on. Now, I was talking, obviously, about a McKenna Cup game and missed goal chances. But mm. Derry will never admit this, but I feel, this is what I feel, I feel that they thought they would have been able to beat their and they've been going into the Galway game in the league with promotion basically resting on, you know, making sure you picked up 1-1 between Galway and Meath. And I automatically started to think, you know, because the league and the championship are so close now, if you're gearing towards a championship, your training has to be geared. And I have a feeling that they were training really, really heavily around the time they played Galway.
0: Yes. Um,
1: I'm not saying that's the reason why they're beaten, but if if they're targeting the championship... There's no point in waiting until after the league and saying, "Oh, we haven't enough done." So I feel they've been ramping it up. There's rumours that they trained like dogs before the Tyrone game, and just by, by talking to Rory last week about his preparations for Clare, you know, I maybe thought they would have took a challenge game, but he had no interest. But I suppose who do you play? But he kept talking about how well they were training, and I just got a feeling that. You know, I know they had a week of partying, which is fair enough and totally right. But after that three weeks of graft and I had a feeling um that they would hit the ground running. Um, you know, because you see the way he, he, he goes along along the line just completely urging everybody on and tie that into you have a captain of Chrissy McCaig that just accepts nothing but all the best. Mm. I never felt they were going to slack him and that's why the game ended up the way it did.
0: Yeah. But just on Chris McKay, you know, you think of the years he soldiered there with obviously Derry not, you know, being at their best and the setup not being at their best. You know, it must be so hard for a lot of these guys to be going out playing thinking, you know, we're not at the races here. And look at them now, like in sell excelling in this and just make you talk about the, the training that's going on. And we heard so much of this from Derry and even in, in, in the, the lockdown. You know, you, you look at teams that go to Crow Park and why I suppose a few people were Mark marking Derry's tactics. They, you know, we've seen obviously poor attempts at teams going all out defensively and getting picked off in Crow Park. But the difference is this Derry team is it's the fitness and the ability to break with pace all over the pitch. And you can see the legs. It's just unreal. I mean, some of the running yesterday, particularly from, from Rogers and Glass, you know, they're just everywhere. It's, it's as if, you know, the Crow Park. Is actually shooting Derry because they're not the team, they're not just sitting in going here, we're going to sit in and, and then slowly build up the pitch. When they get it, they're willing to move at savage pace, and I think that's why they're such a dangerous side now.
1: Definitely, you know, and I would be of the school of thought that you know Derry are playing no different than anybody else. Like, I put up a picture on Twitter yesterday, like Kerry had a load of men behind the ball when they didn't have it. What team doesn't?
0: Yeah, no, I totally dairy, agree. Michael, sorry, I should have said that to you. Everybody no, is no, doing no, a version no, of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I'm coming to that. But Derry are no different than anybody else. And my worry was if you get to Crook Park, there's that feeling where you need to get a kicking game, you know, a, a kicking game that will make the most out of McGuigan up front. And that, there's maybe something to that. But when you've got a level of fitness, like, for example, there's a picture up this morning, I put it up on my Twitter feed, when Benny Heron kicked the first goal. Shay Downey was to his left and uh, McGuigan and I think it was Niall Lachlan were to his right. He had he had um, three more options apart from shoot himself. Do you know. And the energy as you say to get four men into that scoring zone you know, and it's phenomenal and um, I suppose the question mark is if you have a team that can only keep that going for 40 minutes 50 minutes, that's when the problems happen. But yesterday Derry we were able to do that uh, you know, but the issue is as the competition goes on and the level of opposition raises, you know, that's when you're tested. Um, but uh, you know, I, I wasn't surprised the way Derry went about it, and um, I would agree with you in terms of their athleticism as, as a big factor on them being able to defend the numbers and attack the numbers.
0: Michael, mm. listen, I totally agree, as I say, this thing of. of any kind of thing that everybody is playing the same, it's the interchange which is the key. And yeah. you should kick, kick passing the ball, and and strong running on the ball. You know, it's one thing coming up the pitch, kind of you know, sauntering, but the dairy boys are actually galloping, which is opening yeah. up space. Although it's about opening up space, about firstly trying to get into that, that 45 before the team is set that's your number one goal. If that's stopped, then it's about waiting for the right movement and someone coming off the shoulder at peace. And all this is coming back to that conditioning that you spoke about, man.
1: Yes. And, you know, um, your concern is if you go behind and you're playing a team like Donegal, you play that type of football as well. You know, the, you know Donegal went two points up twice in Ulster final and you're sitting watching and you're thinking, you know, Derry's going to need to get a goal here. Or some way of getting back into this game, and it's definitely difficult. You know, it's that type of game. Nearly always backs a team that's staying and keeping their noses ahead. You know, um, and, and uh, you know, you were talking there. You've spoke to me a few times. You know, in chats we've had. You know, but the Donegal club, club football being very defensive, and I haven't watched a lot of it, but I'm get, gathering that it's all lateral, sideways, sideways. Look at you. Whereas, whereas, as you say, as you say that the, the team, the teams that are they're, they're, the teams that are turning defensive football into one-on in football as teams, that can just break like the dubs. Yes, like the, the dubs are the same as everybody else, but whenever it was, whenever they got a ball around the half back line, it was boom away they went.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: easier, e- easier said than
0: done. I, was, uh, <laughs> I know, I goes, takes. All right, and I think there, there is the fall down of the club. You just don't have that athletic or the ability to do that then, particularly when the other team, as we just said there, Michael, if you take your average club game in Donegal, whenever the ball gets turned over or they gain possession, the other team drops back, but the team that has the ball won't kick it. So they hand pass it up the pitch until they face their 45. So what you have is that very steel up and down the pitch. So what you're saying, and what we're getting there with, with the better teams is, Sure, they're dropping in players, but the ability to break either at massive pace or, or try some kick pass version of the pitch is where the better teams are getting the joy, particularly at Crow Park. But it's difficult to take that back to club level when, you know, it's safety first and players are just, you know, the easy option is, is just play it left or right, which leaves the scoring low and then leaves, leaves the game poor. And that's, I think, a bit of a rut that, that Donegal's uh, stuck in. But Michael, I just mentioned ninth, sir. Obviously, um, Leeson, didn't cover himself in glory yesterday uh, against Darma. Um I mean, both teams will be thinking here, there's goals in here for us if we can get in around the house at all, you know. So, it's not to say that, I suppose, I mean, if, if Lynch's kickouts weren't bad, but it's just him and Gleason, their general goalkeeping and their ability to, I suppose, command their area doesn't seem to be there, but I suppose both sides will be looking to take advantage of that come the semi. I will definitely, Oren will
1: be disappointed in the two goals. You can see that, um, you know the, the second one, it seemed to be between uh, just l- looking at Chrissy glancing at him. Nobody seemed to know what was happening. Was he coming or staying? So you're caught in no man's land. It was a bit of a freak finish, in fairness. Mm. But you know, it highlights if there's any sort of indecision at all, you can be punished. Um, you know, he took a lot of criticism after the Monaghan game for his checkouts. Um, he didn't win. I think it was fifty four percent. He won, but the thing is. Derry Derry made Derry made it count anything that they got and from a kick out point of view, Brenton, he lost five against uh, Donegal but, you know, I think two of them were were won back by turnovers and a third one was won by just basically suffocating Paddy McBeardy so there's no goal chance. The only one that he kicked away was the one down Murphy's throat that Murphy hammered over the bar. You know, so I think he got a bit unfair criticism from the kick out department Um, but, come Sunday against Clare, you know, we'd definitely be disappointed um, with the two goals they've given away and when you take the level of preparation most teams have gone to, no doubt him and Posty Thomas Mann, the goalkeeping coach, no doubt they'll be getting stuck into that this week. Um, As will Padre Joyce, I suppose, with with his own house.
0: Yeah. And looking at Galway yesterday, you know, there's no doubt that their strength is going forward um, and I mean, the man markers and the ability yous have at the minute, uh, um, Michael, to snuff out teams. And, I mean, Sexton came in. I know it was mostly freezing that he was hitting, but, I mean, Chrissie McKay just does this thing to people where he just takes them out of the game and that. So, you you you're, you're looking at how important, you know, obviously Comer, Walsh, you know, you've obviously found He needs, you know, a lot of good players in there, Kelly, um, Tierney. Listen, they've got a star-studded forward line, but there's something about Derry, now. I think they'll relish taking these guys out of the game, Michael? Is that, is that your feeling, that Derry's strength then going forward? I don't think at the back, Galway have the same metal that, that uh, Derry have at the back. So is, is this, I mean, I, I think Derry will relish this uh, a Galway game because I think they're going to get score you know, at a high level and I think that they have the players to snuff out some of the Galway danger, man. Well,
1: there's a couple of things in that. If we, if we talk about the Derry-Galway league game for a start, like I know earlier on we spoke about the potential of Galway basically over, you know, Derry maybe overtraining during that era, that time. But I think a lot of that that game came from Damien Comer. Uh, Brenton Rogers picked up Damien Comer that day and Damien Comer ran him everywhere around Owen Begg, pulled him to the left, to the right, and it left um, Derry's defence open. Marry that in the fact that Derry... Uh, won the toss and elected to play against the breeze as as Rory and the camp seem to always do. So there's a few things that went against them, and I think in the first half that day, I think Derry won. I think it's something like eleven out of their thirteen outs. But the problem was <laughs> on those eleven, they were static. There was no energy. There was no breakout of defence, and it was a, it was just a horror show. They, they were they were beat out to get by half time. So that's one factor. You said about Galway's attack. The first couple of minutes yesterday, um, I suppose when you're watching it high in the Cusick stand, you have a great view. Um, Greg McKay basically sat in the semicircle, And I think it was something like, it was maybe like two minutes. I can't remember. I wrote down in my notes, something like two minutes, 44 seconds or something, where basically Galway were playing, you know, sorry, um, Galway were playing passive personal football around the outside and couldn't, couldn't get the kick in. And when you've Comer and Walsh You need to be feeding them. Mm. So Derry will surely look at that and think, well, as you say, Brenton, if Chrissy picks up one of them, Rogers picks up another, Connor McCluskey, who has been a gem for Derry this year, picks up somebody else, Mm. Potty McGrogan, an excellent defender. All of a sudden, you know, it's match-up city in there for Derry. You know, so that's... And then the other side of it, as you said, like, three high balls um, led to... Basically three goals for Arma, and the other one, there was a big high ball went in and was it Owen Woods, a substitute, got his foot on it to put it over the bar. So three one from high balls, direct ball, you mm. know, so it's, it's, it's massive.
0: It, it was a bit of a throwback at times, Michael, uh, which was great to see, massive entertaining, big crowd. You were down at it. Of course, we have to mention a the, the bit of a Ramy. Um, and it was just getting a lot of headlines and, and a lot of stuff being thrown out there. Michael, Listen, most of it was just your typical nonsense. I mean, the fact that ma were involved in three of them now, you'd have to say, not good enough from their perspective. And and particularly when they get the Donegal ones overturned, did they think, here, listen, we can go ahead and do this again? You know, I just couldn't understand, with a massive game potentially coming up next, how anybody could risk uh, getting a suspension. It just seemed absolutely crazy to me that, that, that this would kick off.
1: All right, well the way I saw it happen, it was on the other side of the pitch. It was difficult to see what actually happened, but I could I saw the lead into it. Um Ryan O'Neill kicked over an unbelievable score. Um yeah. I think it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And actually just before that, Shane Walsh nearly lost um lost in the game because he took an outrageous pass, which That's cut nice. out. Yeah. I'd say I would say between him and the goalkeeper they're are the most relieved people in Galway at the moment. But back to my point, uh Ryan O'Neill kicked over the point. Um, it was emotions were going high. You know yourself, the team who equalises is always buzzing. And they were heading to the change rooms, and Donaghy was visibly waving them into the change rooms as if, let's get in, this is our time. And whatever happened, they were they were heading to the change room. Somebody, you know, there was a shoulder and a pushing session started, and then we have what we saw, you know, and it just wasn't good. It just, it, it's no advert for the game. Um, my daughter was was watching the Sunday game last night, she says Daddy is this the game we were at today where there was anger management issues, you know, she's <laughs> 10 she was, yeah. you know, but but that was her looking at it, it's a bad advert you know, it really is, but I don't think it should overshadow how good a game it was, but it shouldn't be brushed onto the carpet by no. any matter of means In many
0: ways, for me it was, 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 I'm not saying it saved the championship, but let's be honest we are just not seeing games again, I mean uh, it decided on penalties, which I think any GA man will say, right, that's not the way to decide a game, and I, I know it, that's the way things are set up in terms of fixtures, but imagine having this game to be replayed next week, it would be a sellout again, and it would be a massive occasion, and I think another absolute gem of a game, have we really missed a bit of a, a trick here, not having this game replayed? Aye, it's, a, it's a big
1: debate, isn't it? You know, you know, and there's so many different views on it, and uh I loved watching it. It was great entertainment. Uh, When I was watching Derry and Donegal in extra time, I was thinking, how the hell am I going to sit through penalties here? (laughs) (laughs) You know, as a Derry man. Yes. You know, never mind, you know, being a manager, being a parent, being a player, watching it like it's tough. But um, I can understand why the GA are doing it, because it's so difficult to find a window with fixtures. Now, Brent, the only thing is, say, for example, me and you are in the CCC right now, and we're we're talking about it, do we make a proposal that, right, we only have penalties for all Ireland, sorry, we'll only have penalties for provincial finals onwards. But if you probably, if you were talking to Donegal Maynard manager today, he'd tell you that their preparation was very deep as well, you know, and they were ended up in a penalty shared with Jerome. Wasn't that was that right? Or was this or was it under twenties?
0: Aye,
1: but you, you know what I mean. So yeah. where do you draw the line? Yeah. You know, do, do you keep it to the centre county provincial final onwards only?
0: Well, do you, the, would the, it not be a thing, Michael, where you take out the penalties and do kicks from from the forty? Um, you know, possibly. You know, I actually had a
1: thing. I had, a, I had actually a, a debate on here with Oshie a we while back about this. Um, that even you had a <laughs> even you had a one on one scenario where you had or say two on two two forwards two defenders throw up the ball and you go and you try and score and it's the best of three.
0: Yeah,
1: but, but when you look at Stephen Campbell yesterday and he was hardly able to walk, uh, you know. So would people, <laughs> yes. able to, would people be able to do that at that stage? But I do agree with you. You know, it, it maybe needs some sort of debate. And probably because it's such a high-profile game, it's why it's probably the best time to talk about it, right. and the best time for the decision makers to look at it. I
0: suppose. Yeah, yeah, certainly, Michael, Listen, it's 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 set up for for, for interesting stuff now. It, it, as you said, there the the Galway lads now had practice penalties in the last couple of friendlies, which was a very shrewd move, Boric Joyce, when you think about it, because. Even hitting them and messing about at training, and that's so different from any type of scenario where you're walking up and everybody's standing watching you. And even mm-hmm. a friendly match where the two teams are standing up doing that is a great wee way to kind of test them. And if you look, the Galway penalties were very assured. I mean, Brilliant. I'm, I'm sure that our friends across the water in England would have been looking on thinking that's how you had a penalty, you know. And, uh, you know, listen, a bit unlucky that our man will hit the post. Of course, Campbell's was the one that guided, but it set a bit of a tone, didn't it? you just thought maybe this isn't going to be our day and it eventually wasn't still a great season for them Michael in terms of what they did in division one and, and finally you, you know got, got, the, got a bit of championship run so listen they, they'll be they'll be dangerous to get those players with four or five of their starters potential starters missing yesterday which probably hampered them good on the added time too so I'll be a handful next year but for now it's the Derry men uh, Michael and uh, we'll, get, we'll get behind them now against uh, Galway I'm a half Galway man though so I'm and we but and we been torn in that one now.
1: The only problem is, um, well, we wee bit on Armagh just before we go any further. But they 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 were a breath of fresh air. Like I was talking to somebody yesterday that I know from Tyrone, and he was saying, that imagine next year's Ulster Championship. Donegal's bound to bounce back, Monaghan's bound to come back. You know, Tyrone are under twenty champions, and then add in Derry, who would have been the new kids on the block, and Armagh as well. You know, and then if you look into the All Ireland race, you know, through Galway and Roscommon Common into them a little bit as well. So the fresh teams do help. You know, the fresh teams definitely help the overall big picture, you know, and maybe that'll help, you know, bring attendances out, you know, which is another debate, you know. Um I think I think this is something I'd like to see talked about at some at some point. I don't know where, but is it better to play games in front of a half full crowd park?
0: or a packed closeness, so let's hmm. say maybe for maybe maybe for another day, but yeah, yeah. Co about- park certainly is an issue. Co park certainly is an issue. it wasn't so much at the weekend because that freshness is is driving a bit of buzz and and I think obviously cabin as well. You know we're on the up and and the Teltown Cup as well, which is not bad at all from a... From an Ulster perspective. But listen, Michael, first class lad, thanks for wrapping all that up at the weekend. And listen, the dairy flags, I'm sure, are flying everywhere over the Oakleaf County and getting ready for the semi final. And the rest of the country is really looking forward to it. So, two two, two massive games now to come. And listen, I hope you get in the final. Definitely
1: do. And you say you're half Galway. Um, They beat us in the qualifiers in 15, All Ireland semi final, hammered us in 98. Beat us by a last-minute goal in a minor final 07. Chrissy McCain was playing. Paul Connery was the captain. And then Matthew Clancy uh, hammered one into the net in 01. So surely it's there's too you,
0: you owe them good man, Michael. <laughs> it's building up, it's building up to this day. Hey, listen, Michael, a hundred percent. Thanks so much for it's all that. Yeah, that's it. I hope so. Good man. Michael McGovern nice. there of Gaelic Life. Always brilliant. That was a great wrap-up there of, of of the Armagh and Derry fortunes at the weekend. So listen, seals on the semi-final. Uh, now we're going to speak with uh, an AFL and GA great. It is Tag Kinelli. Tag, how are you seeing him? Oh, good, Brendan. How are you, boy? Oh, keeping the best. Tag, great to hear your voice. That is a long time since I've since seen you. You might remember this 2006, actually, uh, Crow Park. We were both skedaddling out there early. Ke- Kerry had... Poor Mayo, well beaten, the championship play and uh, in the final. And I actually met you just in the bowels of, of the Hogan stand. Uh, you, you were making a quick getaway as well. That's the last time I've seen you outside of the Aussie Rules Tour. We were on way back then. But, uh, Tag, how, how's life? You're on a wee vacation as, as as the Yank would say. You're back in Emerald Isle at the minute.
2: Oh, great. It is, man. It's great to be back in there. I do remember, Pai, and um, great memories that you've bringing in, boy, takes me uh, straight back to Obviously playing with you, but uh, yeah, I do remember letting Hogan stand, and uh, it's always great to come home, you know. And certainly with everything but myself with COVID and and, and being away from my family, and I got a young family you now myself, you know, and bringing it home, trying to keep them involved in the, in the Kerry culture and the Irish culture. It's a bit difficult on the other side of the world, but geez, it's exciting and it's great to be back here, and certainly was great to be on that uh, last weekend, obviously with uh, the Kerry.
0: Yeah, they're enjoying that. They're enjoying the Irish summer, uh, Tigers As they were saying, right? this. Uh, Since is- <laughs> <laughs> I came,
2: stop. <laughs> I was ready to for three days my
0: children are going, when are we going to the beach? When are we, when are we going to wear my shorts again? I said, you put your shorts in right to the bottom of that suitcase. Yeah, they'll have to tap up on <laughs> the town as soon as they get back. Uh, tag. <laughs> tag, so, do you know what, Thank you're, you're, you're an amazing man. What, what, a, what a career in life you had, you Know I was lucky enough to meet you and meet myself and yourself. get on the best in that tour. up was way back in 2001 and I was just looking at, you know, co- growing up. Listen, you were, you were obviously an underage star with Kerry you were, listen to soccer teams after you, you you played a bit of of, of like school soccer internationally and listen the you your destiny was obviously follow your famous dad and the, and the Kerry and uh, Tim and, and and take it from there but obviously at that time there was a lot of talk about uh, about the the AFL and, and you went out there taking. listen it's not for everybody we see a lot of players coming out and very few kind of make any mark on it, but, but you made a, made a massive mark on it, uh, Tag, and have had an unreal life. And then crisscross it yeah. goes back, uh, back to Ireland over and back a few times. But Tag, going mm-hmm. out there as, a, as, a, as a kid, you know, really, really tough thing for you, I suppose, as, as a young man, but, but it was something you grew into.
2: Yeah. Okay. I was like any other young fella growing up, Brendan, you know, you, know, you idolise your father, really, most men do, you know, they have a close enough relationship with their father, and I was lucky enough to have a great relationship with my dad, and um, and I idolised him as as much as my brother, you know, and um, the, only, the only thing we had was that my dad had won five in medals as Captain Curry, so we had a lot to live up to, but we idolised, and that's what I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to be a curry footballer as much as I could, and, um, you know, as a young fella, he exposed me and my father to soccer, and I played a lot of soccer, and, and I enjoyed it. And, even to the extent where he drove me playing for Kerry Soccer in an All-Ireland semi-final when my club were playing the minor game and he drove me up and I missed the minor game. You know, can you imagine that in, in a small country home and North all Kerry where, where they've gone, hang on, the son of Tim Kennedy is, and Tim is driving him up to the game and he's going to miss the county championship game for the, for the minors, you know? And, yeah. and that's how open-minded my father was. I was very lucky, you know, you're very you're influenced by your dad when you're growing up you know and if dad had said no you're not doing that you're not going to do it and then once the opportunity came to go to the other side of the world and play for football if my father said no you're not doing it you know I wouldn't have done it yeah. but um looking enough he was open and said go for your life by it's your life it's your career you know and I've had mine and this my dad obviously telling me these stories you know and, um you you think about something growing up. You know, I want to be professional, and you want to go and play soccer. And next thing, this opportunity comes to to go and be a professional to the other side of the world. The reality of it is so different. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you're one, you're 18,000 kilometers away from home, but um, the challenges of being a professional athlete from the day to day lifestyle. Um, let alone learning a new game that you know nothing about and then the fact that you're so far away from your family and friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Anytime, <clears throat> I don't know if it's the same with yourself, Brendan, but anytime when things were tough in my life, whether it was you know fight with a girlfriend or fight with your parents or a friend, I'd always go up to the football field buying kick balls, kick ball and kick ball and, and life would be perfect again. Uh, just anytime anything tough was going on in my life, that's where I went. But when I went to Australia and I was learning a new game, then I was homesick and I was really struggling with it and I wanted to go to the football field well, the football field was as foreign as it was off field, so I really had a, some mental demons to deal with those first six to nine months of being overseas and playing with the Swans, which is a very difficult time. And the reality was very different to the perception that I had of being a professional athlete before I went out.
0: Yeah, you hear some stories, take about how tough it is, and and how the training goes up, and how at that time, Teg we weren't really doing that much weights or different things. There, it was a completely different world. But certainly, like I mean, 2002, you're rising AFL star. It was something you grew Andy. I think physically Doug and, and having played with you and watched you and that, there was nothing that you couldn't accomplish in terms of physicality. You had the timing, mm. you had the you had the skills. So, you know, it's something that you started to become this player that was going to be, you know, one of the main guys out. And of course the story of the swans at the time is mm. from being out there, not not a heartland of, of Aussie rules, Take for you to come up and for you to be part of it and even when you won the, the, that, that, premiership, um, I mean, it was unreal. I mean, watching you then and supporting you, I think so many people used to be watching out for you. It used to be on the Saturday here. And I'd always be watching out for you. I still remember like you kicking mm-hmm. a bit of a crazy goal from a tight angle uh, way back mm-hmm. at the start. And I was, I was like, oh, yeah. magic lad, fair play. Because, I can imagine the buzz that was given to you at that time, let's say, right up until that <laughs> that championship and your famous Irish dance. I mean, there were so many people had such time for you uh, and what you were doing out there and what you had achieved.
2: Yeah, the funny thing about the whole lot, Brendan, you know, you, you, when you're in this and you're just doing this and you're learning it, you know, and the biggest draw card for uh, a Felt Club, for Irish young fans, is, is the instinctive way that we play here. When we just play... No, that's, that's slowly starting to be taken away from young fellas and, and the defensive side of the game is coming in here, um, slowly slowing the game down and taking instincts away from, from young fellas. That's the number one thing that Gaelic footballers have in, 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 in AFL, that the play on instinct, they take the game on, they love to take the game on and express themselves. Um, AFL players have become very robotic because what's happened with the senior programs in AFL and the professionals get so robotic and system-based that it's just trickles down into all the junior level, which is a challenge and probably a concern that's going to happen in Gaelic football, which you see now. I saw my own club yesterday playing a game, and it was almost like I was watching the county football the way they're planning and set plays and, and taking away the instinctive style of football, which is a strong part of Kerry football. And that's going to be a concern going forward, certainly for GA clubs and the GA as a whole. But um, look, the, the journey itself was, was something that, you know, it was difficult at times the attributes are there because of the game that's similar as far as reading the play and where to, where to go and how to get the ball and um, you know I think the number one thing as far as any player that's going to be recruited from Ireland to play any sport professionally be it soccer rugby or AFL you have to be competitive and you have to want to win um, you know if you've got if you're, if you're an extreme ability to be competitive and, and you're, you're losing or you're finding it hard you're going to find a way to learn and improve and, and, and want to get better if you're very competitive. And that's the number one attribute that most professional athletes will have. And you know that yourself, Brendan. It's that that want and that desire to get better all the time, no matter what training sessions is, whatever you're doing, because you've got this competitive edge to, to improve and get better and be the best that you can be. Uh, and that's, that's generally what professional footballers are about. Now, some of them are extremely talented, but they don't last as long in the system, in all systems of professional sport. It's the ones that are competitive, and you look at them all sports, and you look at your Federer's, and you look at, you know, the, the, the Tiger Woods' of the world, the ones that can have longevity in their career are the ones that are really competitive. And that's not different to AFL football. I was lucky enough that I know the brother That I wanted to
0: beat the shit out of every time I played a football in the backyard or outside. So that's where I got my competitive edge from, you know. Yes, yes. And funny thing, how much do you see of of uh, GA when you're in Australia? Like, I suppose the times is is bad. You might have to have them on record, but do you do you keep a good eye on what's happening here? Yeah,
2: I do. I do. I see an awful lot of it. Um, And funnily, I've said to a lot of people, you know. Something in Kerry and the boys that I've played football with now nine I when I came back, and Kerry and, and Kieran Donny and Mark Shea and Paul Galvin probably the three closest I'd spend a lot of time with them. The game mirrors in our AFL football. It has mirrored GA and what's happened The Pattern every five years. It's amazing what's happened. You know, when I first went to Australia, it was, it was flood back. And that was 20 years ago, 22 years ago. Flood back and, and defend your d 50 Then it slowly started to come pick up the nearest man. So you go man on man. And now the game is all about pressing up. Um, I was involved in international rules when Ireland played Australia. and We were goalkeeper sitting on the halfway line, and people here—and this is five, six years ago now—and mm. people were like, "Wow, what's going on?" You know, and the press, full-on press. You know, and, um, a lot of what happens in AFL as far as style of play and tactically, um, I see coming into the GA and, and getting football. You know, and, um, what they've done in AFL now to counteract teams being so defensive and so strong and slowing the game up and making it really ugly which is happening in Gaelic Football now, which is hard to watch, um, is they've actually any time the ball leaves your 45, let's say kick out, you have to keep two players in your 45. So that means a forward and a defender from two sets, that four players have to stay in their 45. So you've only got a limited amount of players that are downfield, so you can't clog up the rest of the, fo- the field. Um, and The AFL brought this rule in um, the start of last year to try and create some you know, mismatches, some space in the ground. Now, obviously, it's a bit harder to to regulate and and referee at local level, but it's opened up the game of AFL unbelievable because you're keeping four players basically forward of the ball all the time.
0: Yeah, that that's very interesting, Tag, because it's crying out for it here. You know, we see for years it's been we've probably pe- peppered over the cax- cracksus. Crax- it has been an odd good game, and even in that defensive game, them tension-filled games, they're still. There's something in it, you know, because it's slow scoring and it's coming down to the last yeah. point. And there's, you'll always leave it going, you know, we won that or we nearly won the match and this kind of thing. But a lot of you know, fans who have uh, had massive time in the game are slowly leaving it. You know, um, we're seeing a lot of it here. And as you said, big club, It's uh, particularly big club, I think big county, you get the Crow Park. Now, teams are starting to kick now and it's starting to change a bit again. We see still in mm. maybe poor game at Provincial. Kerry, of course, have wrestled with these new tactics worse than everybody, because you're right, Tag, the expression of the player is taken away, it's robotic, and it's playing the percentages, which really takes the the, the drama in the game down, and that's why, I mean, Galway and Armagh was was such a breath of fresh air uh, yesterday, outside the the route. But but that's interesting about the players. So say, Tag, what happens if, if, let's just say, some team, the two players aren't inside, they're 45. How does the team get penalised?
2: They give a free kick straight away on the forty-five.
0: Right, so the ref just blows you. You stepped so, inside. So right. They bring the ball no matter where it is in the field, bring it straight up.
2: Yeah. Um, so really, two or three, yeah, or, three or four players I'm will be. Gonna,
0: yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. i was just thinking. Like, so, so is it? Is it two players will be saying that you never come inside the forty-five? Will it just be two players, that, or does it say you all have to watch in, in terms of your forward no, line? Not. So you
2: can't go out. So, so you can't go out. So let's say the kick out. Let's say you've a kick out right, and you've got you know your two corner forwards and the two corner backs on them. OK, they have to stay, let's say they're, they're, they're on the top of the D in Gaelic football. They'd have to stay there as the ball exits the 45 and it goes into their back 45. They have to they have to have all times of two forwards in your 45 right, right. with two defenders.
0: Hey, so you're keeping
2: uh, the players back. Uh, and it's stretching the ground and it's yeah. harder to defend if you've got less numbers,
0: obviously. Yeah, I guess really interesting because I think probably club more than anything is, is crying out for that. Some, some version of it, I, I would even say maybe they bring it to three in, in, in yeah. like, uh, maybe four even
2: you've seen all the ball is there man. and they're on that bike running back in half the half forwards and you turn around and the ball is there so they become so coachable and so system based you know that it's taken away the instinct of the game which I understand and, and if you get a really strong system based going um, it's it, it's almost like one soldier in, one soldier out. You know, it doesn't matter who's playing for you. You can counteract injuries to one player because you all know how to play and assist the best of playing. That you know? mm. the the area I see the game growing dramatically is the tackle. The county that nails the tackle and, and understands about not letting the players pass you by, that you can really press them and keep them in front of you, and that's getting all your forwards and corner forwards. Can you imagine yourself I never saw you chase outside the 21 once in your career, Brendan. I never saw the Gooch do it once, you know. Can yeah. you imagine telling yeah. Clifford get, get on your bike and get chasing and get tackling? You know, yeah. so that's going to take away these instinctive flares like yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Tag, you know, I mentioned your timing er- earlier. Your timing of coming back to play for Kerry was, was phenomenal in terms of 2009. And, and as he said, you know, the history in your family and, and to come back. And uh, you know they won in all Ireland. I really thought, you know, talk about taking off less. You know, obviously phenomenal for anybody to do that, but it's something that you certainly would have tasted had you stayed here. So that thing of mm. of being able to time it to come back and and force your way. It took you a bit of forcing to get into that Kerry team, yeah. but you started obviously to Ireland final. Hit poor Nick, this Murphy a shot, but anyway you got across the line and <laughs> give us give us another wee jig. You know, <laughs> it's always
2: interesting to all up and then, You know, and, I, and I got enough to play with you, on YouTube, you know, and you. You in 2001, international rules. I remember the every time I went back, you know, when I went back in the year that I was going to play the international rules because I wanted to play with the best players in the country, in Ireland, and test myself against them yeah. and see where I was at. And, and I had a real planning process around, the, I have to keep up to date with what's happening with the best players, you know, and in 2001, you know, I'm with Park Joyce and I'm rooming with McGini, and I'm playing with your and these types. And then I go on in 2003, 2004, five and I'm Sean Kavanagh and I'm playing all the time with them yearly. And it was just keeping me, giving me a real confidence boost going, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm well, I've got it. I'm bit, well able for this. And it was keeping me in touch with what's happening with the football and the style and the way they play. and It gave me a lot of confidence, you know. I mean? Obviously, 2005 was huge, and you know, winning the premiership and, and the individual pride I got from it, you know, but. Um, you know, my father passing away with a sudden heart attack six weeks after winning that premiership. You know, it was it was gut-wrenching and the saddest thing of all. that. You know, 2005 for me, you'll never be a happy year, you know, after losing yeah. your father. In fact, we won a premiership. Good. And that kind of sped the process up as far as coming back. You know, I always wanted to come back. And I got a couple of injuries in 2007 and 8, And um, I'd signed a four-year contract with the club. <clears throat> and I told him, you know, after a year, I you know, said, I'm going, I'm leaving. And, uh, you know, lucky enough. I, I got my way back into the team in Curry and carrying, and it wasn't easy. You know, it was hard. I found it difficult early. I knew I was able for it. Um, I just was really struggling with a few things technically more than anything else. You know, I, I knew I had it physically. Um, you know, and I was lucky enough, obviously, to to stay on the field in the Ireland final. Um, but you know, you're a young fella. That I wasn't young. Fella. I was 28 years of age. All I ever wanted to do growing up was, was win an Ireland medal. Uh, we were not on fan, I was that wound up for five weeks before the game, or four weeks before the final, you know, yeah. no man, no God, was going to get in the way of me trying to get it, you know, um, I was I was pretty wound up for it, you know. So I was lucky to stay on the ground, and thank God, you know, we got the result. I'm,
3: I'm if glad we didn't were... get
2: the results it have been quite interesting. I don't, think I, <laughs> I don't think I would have went back to Sydney, you know.
0: Yeah, right, right. And and, and tell me that yeah, your, your life out there. You, you obviously tough couple of bad injuries towards the end of it. Then um, yeah. you know, and listen, to the hits and what's happening there. It's, that's kind of almost commonplace. But you you took up a bit of, a bit of media and a bit of scouting in that now, and um, you're keeping eye out for for the next tag Canelli as well, are you?
2: I did. um, When I finished playing, I. I, Well, basically, it wasn't being done properly here, you know, and there was a lot of kids and young fellas being promised the world, you know, and it was something that I had to. um, I went to the clean up and I went to the AFL and said, look, we need to clean this process up around,
0: um,
2: you know, attracting players and doing it the right way. And I went to the AFL and said, this needs. or the GA and the AFL, I said, this needs to be done properly, you know. And I knew I was going to cut criticism from people, you know, which is fair enough. I understand that myself, you know. But um, and then I went around trying to recruit players. So I did that for about six years, and and now I've finished, and uh, now I'm assistant coach of the Swans. Um, So I'm in the coaching game and and loving it. You know, uh, I love the tactical side of things. I love watching other sports. I take a lot even watching yesterday's game. You know, watching watching what happens in football. I I watch a lot of American football. I watch a lot of soccer. Um, I like picking things from other sports. Um, you know, it's something that helps my coaching and coaching very much today, Brendan is very different to us playing, you know, fellas so back in the top of the top of the dressing room wearing his head off, you know, it's all about building relationships and trying to get people to go the one direction, the same direction as yourself as a coach, you know, it's something that I really enjoy doing and spending time with fellas and um, you know might,
0: might get a night or two out and a couple of pitch jacks and all that you know, yeah, yeah. You know the, the king of Donegal with the king of Sydney wasn't yeah, a bad night was that, it that, there was a couple of big nights there right uh, Teg, you were saying about keeping up in the pitch <laughs> you kept up in the bar as well like even even Pat
2: McGannini had a good night you weren't right. a bad man in Sydney no i say those dance moves man
0: yeah yeah that's it uh, you you, you got to loosen out before you pull a few of them ships now yeah Tag it could be a baller you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, take, listen, right. ph- phenomenal right. stuff as I say, I know you're on holidays there and it just you text me, you are back and I said, listen, come on and actually I meant it as, take, as much as I, I wanted to talk and see how you were getting on and I talked to you as, as much as you were putting out the interview, which I'm sure all the listeners of love and I can tell from talking to you, Tag there's no doubting you you'd be a top coach and, and good at what you're doing. I can see your enthusiasm for, for the game and and, and and how you would apply yourself. You can hear it coming through on your voice, you know. It's it's, it's very uh, it's very poignant there. So Tag listen, it's uh you enjoy your, your break and I hope the sun comes out now for for you and the in the kids in the stall and you, I might you get make to the beach. my way
2: up to Donegal. Hey, is there sun up there? There's none down here in the sunny
0: south listen, if we're stop, we'll jump in the beds. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, hopefully in the next two, it's awfully fine in the next two weeks, the next four weeks, sorry, for Kerry,
0: brilliant right, brilliant right <laughs> now you're talking uh, tag. Listen, first class Tag Canelli. uh it's a pleasure always to talk to you, lad, and I'll I'll give you a shout later on too, lad. And listen, I know it's a long a long way up to you from Donegal, but if you were spinning about Tag, that would be a that would be a, a, a good reminisce to get.
2: I'll get the
0: dancing shoes on, man. I'll keep the children at home. <laughs> All right, friend, I will thanks get the sorted. Thanks, thanks very yeah. much. Ty Ginelli there of uh, Sydney Swans and, of course, of, of Kerry. The only man on the planet to have the Premiership Medallion and an All-Ireland Championship medal. Brilliant to talk to him. That was great, uh, Ty Ginelli. Finally in the show, we mentioned it there. Actually, during that uh, talk with Tag. we mentioned the club championship here in Donegal. And... Hopefully, hoping for a good championship coming up, and right now we're joined by Donegal news reporter Ryan Ferry, who's going to run his eye over the three uh, championships for us. I hope you're keeping well, Ryan, on this Monday. Hi,
3: I'm Brendan. Yeah, yeah, I was good on this part of the
0: Good man, Ryan. Listen, we were just covering all the games of the weekend, and uh, uh, Ty Canelli on there as well, just chatting about tactics and club and all that, and, and how the AFL has is uh, now have a rule on to keep a couple of players inside, you know, the forward line, etc. Something. I'm just thinking as we look into your club championship, is is it nearly something that might be might be required? You know, um, in the senior there, we have we have uh, A and a B. The a, the a group and, Ryan looking a bit top-heavy with a lot of the bigger hitters, maybe setting up a couple of lopsided fixtures potentially. How do you see the senior championship this year?
3: Yeah, I very much see it along those lines, Bren. Um, I think it's kind of it's hard to be enthusiastic about it, to be honest, Um as you said, it is very lopsided. A lot of big teams on one side. You would fear that there may be hammerings dished out and possibly, you know, we've seen over the last couple of years how important maybe points difference can be. So perhaps teams going out to keep the score down as opposed to going and win games and try and keep themselves in the reckoning, particularly in the early couple of rounds. So, yeah, it's... It's, it's a difficult one. Like, you know, I, I think I, I was looking at it, I always do club rankings at the end of the year, Brendan, and not that they're, the, that the, they're a expert analysis or anything, but I think I had six of the top eight teams from last year are in section A, so two are in section B. So uh, looking at it, you know, you would I'm sure the teams in section B are probably a little bit nervous. Um, you know, most of them have, have drawn one of the big hitters, and there is a fear that there, there could be further big hitters coming down the line, so yeah, probably not not the best draw um you know the the big the big teams the top four have avoided each other and and you probably are looking you know for a couple of them to collide and and, and maybe see see how things would go there. so I suppose we're we're looking at can anybody you know beat these top four teams and um you know that'll be interesting in the second round. You have funnel against Guidor. Potentially, maybe Glenn Finn will eye up that game that they could take out Guidor at home. Um, but other than that, you know, it's hard to see how the top four are are going to lose games in that section.
0: Yeah, and 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 Ryan, you're saying about teams keeping the store down. Maybe <laughs> not the if they're approaching it in that regard. You know that that could lead to. Uh, more defensive stuff, I suppose you know. But any of those—is there any sides in that? Obviously, you, you know, you've mentioned there the top four: Kalkyar, uh St. Union's, uh, Neve Conlon, Goudoor. Is there any of the sides there you think that are in particular are, are making a shape to to kind of break that mould? I know last year they ruined it at a drawn game against Neve Conlon, but which was surprising at, at home and and probably showed the best of what's about them. But as there any other sides in particular you think um, that are that are certainly put the foundations in, in place um, to, to to break that top four around?
3: Well, I suppose there's, there's not a huge amount of evidence spreading to support it. I suppose you look at Arua, this year have had a very good campaign in Division 1. Finn have had a good campaign in Division 1. But I suppose when you look at those teams, Bren, you know they haven't had county players or county senior players. So, you know, have have they been just stronger than everybody else at this at at this stage of the season? I think I think those two teams that I've mentioned have, you know, they, they have good age profiles. They've got good panels, good depth, um, good scoring options. So I, I would be. Hopeful that Aru and Glenn Finn are maybe two of the teams that that can push on. I look at McCools. McCools have kind of been, you know, pushing around that quarterfinal stage over the last couple of years. Um, they're going quite well in Division Two, and they they've pretty much haven't had Elish and Gallon for any of those games. I think he played against Fanlad last week. He's now away to Philadelphia. Uh, and that's going to be another interesting side of this, uh, Brendan. You know, a lot of players have gone to America for the summer. When are they going to be back? Are they going to be back in time to play in the start of the championship? Are they going to miss a couple of rounds? So we'll have to wait and see in that. I suppose if, if McCool's have and Gallen back, and we look at Joe Bradley-Walsh seems to be developing well, young Kevin McCormick has stepped into senior football quite seamlessly. You know, perhaps McCool's are a team that, that can push on if they, have, if they have everybody there. I suppose the other side of it, St. Michael's, you know, aren't going great in the league. We haven't seen Carl McFadden or Christy Toy yet this year. We don't know if they're going to be back or not. Are they at the same level that they were? I'm not so sure. You've Kelly Beggs have hadn't haven't had a great league campaign, but then they didn't have Owen Van Gallagher or Hugh McFadden for a lot of those games. Are they a side that can push on? Um you're looking at Glenn Swillie, I seen Glenn Swilly against St. Units last week. They were missing a lot of players and they put it up to St. for about forty minutes. You know, if they have Michael Murphy back Keelan Dunleavy, Jack Gallagher, uh, Keelan Kelly. Perhaps if they've everybody there, they they could put it up to teams. But it, it is difficult to see who are those sides that that can break into that top four um, and take a couple of scalps.
0: Yeah, yeah, brilliant roundup. Uh, brilliant. Just you, you love the intermediate championship. It's it's probably one of the most interesting ones in terms of um, competitiveness. Again, you've got you know your four or five sides in there that can win and set up for an interesting championship.
3: Yeah, it's it's gonna be a cracking championship and I would I would nearly say maybe maybe even more than four or five teams all looking at it <laughs> now. Has to
0: shout that. That's not yeah, a bad championship, yeah. It's it's
3: it's it's hard to say. Like, you know, you are looking at it and you know, I was very impressed with dunlow in the intermediate championship last year. Um, you know, and I know Ryan Connors is a white right, America, um, but they they haven't really set the world alight in division two They've hammered a couple of teams, but probably against against the the bigger sides, they've they've lost most of those matches. So you're looking at them wondering where they are at. Um, Terman have Terman have struggled big time in Division One, but but <laughs> like that, you know, they could have a very very different look to a championship side when it comes to it. If they can get the likes of Ray McFadden and Jamie Grant and these lads back on the pitch, Dara McDeed has been. In and out with niggling injuries. Uh, if he can get back into it, they're going to be a very different side. Um, Colombo, Columba, I watched them against Down and Downans two weeks ago, and they were quite poor. Um, you know, again, another team missing players, like so Kevin McNair. Can he get back in time? Because he's an important player for them. Um, Downings are in that section B, and Downings have been very, very impressive this year. And, I know they drew against Red Hughes yesterday, but I've seen them a couple of times. Some really good forwards. Uh, big, strong midfield with the two boys brothers, Oshin and Sheehan, going well. Then you have Mallon, another contender. Um, Michael Byrne has taken over there this year. They've a lot of players back. Um, Brendan McLaughlin, Fildara, is back and he plays a bit of soccer for Institute. So I'm not quite sure how that dynamic works come the championship if Institute are back going. But Malin seem to have great forwards. You've Sean O'Neill and Conor O'Neill, Josh Conlin, um, Terence Doherty has been playing for them, Matty Burns back for them. So, yep. you know, they look to be they look to be quite strong. And, and Gail Anadha as well, um, you know, got a bit of a bounce from doing winning the Guilt Championship. Um, they've probably lost a wee bit of m- momentum since that in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but again, you know, maybe haven't got a huge panel, but if they've got their best 18, 19 players out, they'll feel that they can take scalps along the way. So, yeah.
0: set up, set ha- a hard, a cha-
3: hard championship to call.
0: Yeah, settle. And listen, that makes it interesting. And I think the junior championship, in many ways, is is the same in terms of it. I think everybody has a shot at it, and we'll go more in depth than that as the few, as the time goes on. We run out of time as it is, Ryan. Listen, bring it round up. We'll, we'll, we'll get more and more as the championship goes on and listen, great stuff in the, in the Donegal news as ever. Uh, Ryan, thanks for joining us this evening. Thanks, Brendan. Appreciate that. That's great. great. Top man, Ryan Ferry there. And listen, I want to thank him for that run across the, the senior and intermediate championship there. As I say, we'll get more in depth as, as time goes on. And I want to thank my guests this evening, Michael McMullen, um, Ty Connelly, of course, and Ryan Fair. There. I want to thank Kenneth for producing, head of sport, Ashish oh, Guide. Stay tuned for the excellent Monday night sessions. Keep the vibes coming, boys. I'll chat this next week. The DL debate with Sister Sarah's Ladder Caney serving food you'll love till 9 p.m. daily in Sarah's kitchen.